Gucci Gang, 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 Gucci Gang. What song is that from? Uh, Gucci Gang. Gucci Gang. Oh, right, okay. Well, I've not listened to much. Is that like, Migos? No, little little Pump. See, this is a fucking white man over here. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that by the Migos? That Migos? Migos? I love no, the Migos. It's, no, it's, no, it's Little Pump, I believe. <laughs> what is this? Is this, is this Migos? <laughs> I like this. I'm going to let my kids listen to Migos. <laughs> can animals hear Migos? <laughs> <laughs> oh, they can. Oh, that's good. Oh, they can, yeah. Into the room, men sit up and women swoon. Everybody murmurs, "He's here." We are hottest one hundreds and thousands, and we have taken control of your radio station. This is the podcast in which we talk about the songs that have been deemed hot enough to be in the Triple J Hardest One Hundred. My name is David James Young, and I'm one of the four voices you're going to be hearing for the next hour or so. Joining me once again. Mr. Nathan Harrison. Hi. Mr. Andrew McDonald. Hey. And Mr. Adam Buncher. Hi. <laughs> what was that? I was saying hi. It sounded like you weren't sure that you were. Hello? <laughs> that, that, that Mr. Charisma read intro there, um, when you say it like that, it's very much got a flavour of the grain there, I think. Mm. Mm. Oh my God, I need to do a spoken word version of this song. <laughs> of all um, let's songs. get grain on the blower and let's make this happen. <laughs> That's terrorism. That's terrorism right there. That's what we fight. Mm. <laughs> terrorism. Oh. In this post 9 11 world. Whenever we never Post Dave Graney world. Um, I think we didn't flag it at the time, but we finished talking about him. Well, clearly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We finished covering all the songs yeah. of his that are in the hottest 100. Never stop fighting. Luke never closes. <laughs> Remain vigilant. War never changes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking of 9-11, at number 75, this has nothing to do with uh, 9-11. This could have been I mean, mean it was popular around that time. I reckon this would have been on, you know, the, the, oh, the, 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 the list. The clear list. channel blacklist. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Very I reckon. Yes, 100%. All right. At number 75, it's the potentially blacklisted Rob Zombie. This is Dragula. Seventy-five. That is Rob Zombie making his return to the Hottest One Hundred with a song called Dragula. Bit a minute, Rob. Bit a minute. So yeah. this is Rob's solo debut. Uh, we previously talked about him with his previous band, White Zombie, mm-hmm. uh, and their their uh, timeless classic, More Human Than Human. We're going to throw it to probably the biggest new metal slash alt metal aficionado in the room. Nathan. Hey. Uh, yeah, I know you've grown out your dreads and your goatee, especially for this yeah. occasion. Um, that barbed wire on your arm is bristling. And, uh, <laughs> it is bristling. It, looks like it hurts. It, it looks like you are raring to go, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really like this song. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's kind of sick, isn't it? Like, Jokes I, on you, D. She yeah. loves it. <laughs> I think I think because I have so little investment with treating this with any like critical faculty or respect. Oh, God, no. Or yeah. anything. It came on and I was like, oh, this is super fun. And like weirdly dancey, yeah. For a for a chugga chug new metal, like it's super like that post like Ministry Nine Inch Nails industrial sound. That just yeah, like, it's like when we spoke about um, Marilyn Manson last year. That kind of like 
the like the dance metal. And totally. It's kind of like dance industrial metal. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's just fun. I was like, oh, here we go. And I'm like, oh, this is good. <laughs> yeah. Who's this? Oh, Rob Zombie. <laughs> but we had a pretty good time when we talked about more human than human yeah, as well. Yeah, it wasn't bad. But yeah. I think what Rob Zombie does so well is he just nails his aesthetic and his market. And he always kind of has. It's the dark carnival. It's the horror-esque thing. It's the trailer trash... White like, trash America. Yeah, it's it's, oh, it's, it's, yeah, coming it's, it's, it's in. hick metal, right? They're like, yeah, yeah. exactly. Like hick horror. It's the same all, all the movies he makes. He so, has this aesthetic that he channels into everything he fucking does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what like, Kid Rock is for hip hop, Rob uh, Zombie is for metal. There you go. <laughs> or yeah, or even like insane clown posse almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's, that, it's totally got that backwater swamp like yeah. motherfucker in a Von Dutch hat. So you criticize Rob Zombie? Cool, nice work, classist. Yeah, yeah. Well, a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah, but, but, like, it's kind of. Like, totally. But also, it's got like it's got that Southern Gothic idea, right? Like, I'm, yes. I'm sure that Rob Zombie and William Faulkner get comparisons all the time. But, <laughs> um, but like, there's something in this, like that's yes. like, and even yeah. his sound, not just his whole aesthetic and the way he looks and his horror movies that he makes that all have that kind of style. But even the music works for it, like, and that's why, like, I looked. It was used in. The Twisted Metal video game. Of course it was. King of the Hill. A remix of it was in The Matrix. It was in the TV show Alias. It was in Paranormal Activity 4. Mm-hmm. It was in the game Sledstorm, Gran Turismo 2, Twisted Metal 4, like I said, yeah. So obviously... It's worth saying again, though. <laughs> just to clarify, just because how perfect it is to be used in Twisted Metal, Twisted Metal 4 is literally a video game where... It's like almost like the kind of video game you'd write into something to parody video games. Yeah, right. You, you are a car with guns strapped to it. Oh, that's pretty good. And you just... <laughs> how, how twisted can you get? And you just drive around... <laughs> Shooting other gun cars. That was, you remember, That's so sick, dude. Do you remember Carmageddon? It, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that was a controversy at yeah, the time. That yeah. was like, but that was like you're a car and you're you driving around, around running over people. Yeah. But it gets better because you could actually play as Rob Zombie. In Twisted Metal 4, oh, in good. the car called the Dragula. Nice. Hell yeah! Because yeah. It's, it's named after the monsters. It is. Um, the monsters the car. Grandpa monster or whatever. I don't know anything about yeah, the monsters. I didn't think the monsters were metal, but there the, you go. I don't think the, they were either, but they're like kitschy <laughs> horror, which yeah. you can then, if you're a zombie, be like, yeah. They're spooky, man. 100% you're low red Adam's family, though. Right? <laughs> like, I just don't know anything about them other yeah. than, like. They're not the Adam's family. They're not the Adam's family. <laughs> yeah. but, like, well, they it, all have damaged written on their foreheads. Yeah, but like, oh. it, but it makes sense that this song was used in so many things, right? Because it, it serves as an easy stand-in for like menacing but accessible music, and that's yeah, why yeah, I, totally. That's why you'd vote and for like, it. that's like, Rob Zombie in a nutshell, dude. When WWF now WWE and now Hall of Famer Edge, uh, retired uh, Canadian professional wrestler, and you two bassist, and you two guitarist, oh guitarist, of course, yeah. sorry, and Clayton, Adam Adam Clayton, Clayton. <laughs> sorry, what am I doing? <laughs> You're doing Mission Impossible, Zedra. You're ignoring the claimant. How dare you? So sorry, yeah. Adam. But yeah, I, I was just bringing it up because when Edge was uh, breaking out as a solo wrestler, he used a, a Rob Zombie song uh, as his entrance man. music, a yeah. song called Never Gonna Stop, which uh, then kind of became synonymous with that era, kind of like the late Attitude Era, early Ruthless Aggression era of WWE. The era where you could uh, have like a montage of like people getting fucked up and set it to where the bodies hit the floor and it would be yeah. like, nice. Yeah, <laughs> dude, <laughs> dude, dude history. Dragon Ball within one gear were the theme song for three different pay-per-views. Yeah. <laughs> like, they were all over that shit. But this makes so much sense to in terms of, like, what the song is and way of accessing the song. Because the yeah, song yeah, yeah. is menace, but menace from the point of view of spectacle. And yeah. so yeah, you, are totally. inf- you are enfolded into that and it doesn't become menacing to you it becomes fun because it's presented in this theatrical kind of way and I think like Rob Zombie does that so friggin well and that's what makes it so enjoyable and so seductive but it's so different when we like years ago and we spoke about Nine Inch Nails Closer because that like that's super menacing in a way that's meant to be off-putting yeah Yeah, it's it's meant to be a bit creepy and 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 it works and Closer rules obviously but like I love Closer it works in in a way that like channels industrial and menace in a way that's meant to be like I'm a very fucking different person to you fuck you and yeah. this is Rob Zombie channeling like hey man everything's fucked up but to the kegger like <laughs> yeah fully yeah. Mm. and I think closer lives inside your head whereas yeah. this lives out in the world and you you witness it from this the outside in the swamps it, it's, it's the difference between closer you listen to with headphones this you listen to with speakers yeah it's a speaker yeah. song it's a hundred this is definitely song. dude yeah. on the train with a bluetooth <laughs> yeah. bluetooth in public world yeah. Yeah. save it for the bedroom yeah baby it slaps, right? Like it slaps for... Yeah. yeah. Like it's, yeah it's, it's, I always had this song ruined for me once, though. Oh. Um, Were you in a car with guns on it? 
Yes. Uh, you get shot up by another car with guns? Close. I was Deej a- is an unlockable character in Twisted Metal oh, 4. It's true. Oh, Deej should be an unlockable character in every game. <laughs> yes. Can we get a hat? I don't know who I need to talk to about that. <laughs> Hello, games? Is Adam. <laughs> get me Mr. Nintendo. You know that unlockable character you've been looking for? Well, well listen, listen to, to this. this. <laughs> it's your cousin, Marvin Nintendo. <laughs> Listener, I'm sure you've already gone on to change.org and created the petition that we so sorely need. So thank you. Appreciate the support. And to everyone who is currently clicking on that petition that is definitely in existence. Yeah, leave us a five star. Please link to this episode yeah. uh, on Wooshka.com. Dee, I don't know how that was ruined for you. Yeah. Almost. Soundwave 2011 was a rock music festival. So I was waiting for the Melvins and then the Bronx, and then fucked up. It's a good three-hitter. Good three-hitter. But while I was waiting for that, I got there on time. The Melvins were supposed to start, but one man, let's call him Zob Rombie, <laughs> decided to go 15 minutes over his set because he could. That's a cool thing that uh, rock stars get to do. Inconvenience other rock stars. Yeah, they finish on Dragula and like you know, and like they're prowling the stage and trying to get everyone into it, and they're like coming over to us and like yeah, and we're all just like fuck off, dude. Like if it's your own show, go fucking bunter. But like at a festival, yeah, the rock and roll is fun, but there's nothing rock and roll about tardiness, uh, right? <laughs> if I got there just as his set was finishing and he closed with Dragula, I'd have been fucking stoked. But the yeah. fact he was just being a rock star and just like throwing his weight around, just being like yeah, we can play more because we can that was a thing for a while and then fucking both the Melvins and the Bronx mentioned Rob Zombie in their sets and called him an (laughs) asshole, which was great but that's part of the thing like I think obnoxiously inserting the song where it shouldn't be also kind of fitting yeah yeah totally no no that's fair that's fair yeah Yeah, I come to it now and I'm just like oh yeah obviously this fucking rip shit like I'm not a fucking idiot so this song Easily Rob Zombie's biggest hit. Mm-hmm. But yeah. um, it almost didn't get included on the album that it was on uh, Hellbilly Deluxe. He'd, apparently he just kind of wrote it late. He said it, it came together really easily, and that's part of the reason that it did end up getting on there. But if it was if it was any harder to write, it probably never would have been written because it was already at that late stage yeah, of, right. of working on the album. But so you're saying he was running late in that process as well? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm sorry. That's what I'm saying. saying. Uh, Before we move on, I uh, would just like to share one of my absolute favourite tweets of the year uh, that is in relation to this. Uh, This is from at MetalShane2000, and I think it sums up him, uh, the great man, better than any of us ever could. Rob Zombie Voice. Well, Frankenstein, motherfucker, raggedy Ann, Chupacabra, hot rod, invisible man, Grindhouse, mama llama, flash in the pan, beat, boop, meet my Godzilla Japan. Yeah! Godzilla reference. Ah! <laughs> <Ding>! <laughs> Thumbs up from me. Yeah. Also accurate because the lyrics. Uh, pretty much some spooky nonsense. <laughs> spooky nonsense. Sasquatch, Godzilla, King Kong. Cool. <laughs> also spooky exactly. nonsense. Oh yeah, and shouts out to uh, Christopher Lee. Hmm. Oh yeah. He, he's the spoken word at the beginning the of this. Oh yeah. Saruman. Mm. Oh. Saruman the White. O- also Dracula from the Hammer Horror movies. Oh shit. Oh, yeah, I guess. What? <laughs> I see why they picked him now. Oh great choice. <laughs> That's real good. They were just thinking in a few years time you're going to be in a Lord of the Rings movie. Yeah. <laughs> Was he in a metal in band a few at that point? Years, just later? <laughs> oh yeah, he started his metal career way late in his life. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I love Maybe that. inspired by this. Maybe. The great man. The great man. The immortal. He's a big flaming eye now. He's living <laughs> He's living in the Bahamas with Tupac. Look it up. Did you see him while you were there, Andrew? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did. As I was leaving. Like just, 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 we just caught each other's eyes and he, like... His big fiery I, yeah, red eye. I looked eye. at him and he looked at me and we didn't say anything, but mm. I knew he was giving me a five-star review on his phone. <laughs> <laughs> And number 74, this is the Foo Fighters with my hero.
Food Fighters. The food. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> and more importantly, I don't I'm know why you're doing that. I'm pretending that a very famous band and a very famous song are obscure things to me. Oh, it's go. a bit of meta humour. <laughs> it's a joke, Adam. We tell them on this podcast. Anyway, that's very famous rock band, the Foo Fighters, with their very famous rock song, My Hero, from their very famous rock's album, The Colour and The Shape, together at last. The big two. <laughs> so oh go. man this track is just like gonna get it out there straight away nostalgia trigger in such a huge way I've talked about before when we talked about uh, Monkey Wrench that Colour and the Shape was a huge album for me in high school as you know just a dude who was you know starting to discover music and discover this really exciting band and playing guitar and learning all the songs on guitar and obviously my Hero is one of the most well-known, well-regarded Foo Fighters songs that exists. And mm. to me, like, of course it is. Dave Grohl um, had actually been playing this live as early as 1995 and been sitting on it for a while before it eventually uh, made it on. And he has stated that the song is about ordinary everyday heroes, uh, but also has said that it was inspired by Pete Stahl from the hardcore punk band Bailey's Crossroads. Dave played um, with them. Is that he right? He was a drummer for them. Yeah. Uh, no, he, was, he was in like a bunch of shitty hardcore punk bands before he was in Nirvana, and that was one of them. Yeah. Right. There is a bit of controversy continuing still about the lyrics of this song, however. No matter how many times Dave Grohl has kind of gone on record and said what it is about, you know, about celebrating everyday heroes. Um, Quiet bat people, to use a thick of a reference. <laughs> They're just regular Things. citizens, but they have this that one people. special quality that makes them like Batman or Bat, bat people. people. Um, they're quiet. Quiet, <laughs> <sake>. <laughs> quiet Bat people. So many people, even now, argue to the death that this is written about Kurt Cobain. And they just will not hear any other way. They, they even go through the arguments like, Dave doesn't know, but it is. <laughs> like, uh, Dave thinks it's not. Dave's in denial about this being about Kurt Cobain. That's how far some people go with this thing. Hero worship is so poisonous, man. That sucks. Like, My it's hero worship. It's, 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 it's so <laughs> clearly written about like the everyday people that make life important in their own like heroic way. Exactly. And like the fact that people are like, no, but... Guy, it's about the guy that died, yeah. Well, you know, and the the lyrics they point to is stuff like, too alarming now to talk about, take your pictures down and shake it out. Um, The other one... uh, I'm I'm on board now, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Say no more. Uh, Don't the best of them bleed it out while the rest of them peter out. That one I look at and I go like, well, I I can kind of see how someone could paint that with a brush about it yeah. being about Kurt. But you're either going to pig-headedly, as a fan, insist, yeah. or you're going to take David's word and say that it's absolutely not. So, just getting it out there, I think this song is incredible. I, I, I obviously <laughs> it. Brave, yeah. brave, risky, yeah. but... I have the bravest <laughs> musical takes. It's obviously one of the best Foo Fighters songs, and a catalogue of that is like a perfect greatest hits band. Right, because the thing about the Foo Fighters to me is, is like they are at their best when they are stadium rock sounds and equal amounts of stadium rock emotions and they happen in perfect unison and what I think happens with this song is it's the emotion of love and admiration that can't help but come from a point of view of humility mm. right and I think that that's really potent when you actually vocalize it because normally it's something that and I think interestingly because we talk about masculinity in rock a lot I think this song is decidedly going against traditional masculinity by expressing admiration for someone because it's in part of that you're admitting that you're not equal to them. Yeah. And you're not, you know, isolating yourself and all the other traditional kind of masculine things. You're saying, like, I'm being vulnerable, saying that this person is greater than me. I aspire to be like them. And to put that from the point of view of, like, everyday people as well, it kind of only furthers that. Now, that's a very insular private feeling well that's like yeah when we've spoken about like sincerity and stuff like that and how like it's like vocalizing any truly sincere thing particularly admiration or like love or something like that it's easy to distance yourself from that because it may like because the I guess the vulnerability that it it exposes in you is a frightening thing in in its own way it's absolutely accurate like even just like in in the the, the chorus there it's like there goes watch him as he goes just like it's just like there's an actual like sincere beauty to that and they've taken this small private feeling and they've exploded it out and they've made it the biggest possible stadium rock song they, that they yeah. could with like 100%. a community of guitar lines. Like 
And that's the way that I would describe it as well, because it's just like one will start and then another will come in and harmonize with it. And that kind of harmony musically reflects what's going on with the song as well. It's like these these lives of people coming together and working with one another and whatever. There's just there's love in this track and it's hugeness and sincerity that I think is at the core of what made the Foo Fighters an exciting, wonderful band. And like, look at this song kind of in context as well. Like this kind of pop rock is traded in a lot now but it's kind of really fresh and exciting here like especially with this level of non-ironic sincerity we're coming off the back of grunge mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah. D- dave is coming <laughs> off the back of grunge especially I, 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 yeah like we've talked about it before but foo fighters are literally a post-grunge band yeah. like yeah. <laughs> yeah in every possible sense so yeah i just think you know there's there's, there's a busyness and a giddiness and a community that exists within the music of this song it, it happens for me like all of it hits me as soon as I he just hear the opening drums and yeah, the yeah, bass line, that's the like way one that of the most recognizable oh, intros. Like it's awesome. Yeah, the second that kicks in, it's like you know what's about to happen, and the way it slowly builds up, like piece by piece, and then it all adds up, and it makes this massive fucking thing. For me, this is like uh, the defining Foo Fighters song in a lot of ways. I think there's just something to the dynamics and the melodicism of this song that has just always stood the tests of time. You know, this works in every possible kind of setting and it means so much to so many different people, as we've discussed. I think that's the the great thing about a song is everyone can take away something different from it. Once you give a song like that to someone, you know, there is no way that it can mean anything else. Mm. When we talked about Everybody Hurts, um, that's, a, that's another great example. You know, like in the liner notes of In Time, Peter Buck was just like, this song doesn't really belong to us anymore. And I think the same can be said for Foo Fighters and My Hero. That song doesn't belong to them anymore. Because right. you know that 100% like somebody has played this at their dad's funeral. Oh, for sure. Like, oh, it's, it's, yeah, one yeah, those, yeah. it's one of those songs. And oh. like, it makes perfect sense for it to be that. Because like, obviously, it's incredibly remarkably written. It's just the Foo Fighters on their like, impossibly great string of singles that they were at at this point. This has been many people's casket song. Yeah. Like, looking up, like, like oh, man, my uncle was such an inspiration to me and he loved the Foo Fighters. This is what he's going yeah. out with. That happens, man. And, like, yeah. that's so fucking beautiful that Not- you could write a song like that. It's just, it's just that balance of, like, there's a real specificity in the lyrics, particularly in the verses or whatever, that really, like, touch on real images or whatever that you can connect to, but it's still open enough that you can just fill your own experiences into that sort of emotional structure. I mean, that's just good songwriting, right? Like, it's not specific to this song or Foo Fighters or anything like that, but it just does it so well. Not every song that we talk about, you can say, this is definitely someone's favourite song. Maybe someone's favourite song is Dracula. Maybe someone was just like... It fully is! It fully is! man. Someone with, like, a dreadlock goatee riding half a Dragula as we speak. Playing Twisted Metal 4. Yeah. Still. Still, yeah. Still just, like, clocking Twisted Metal I've 4. I've you can unlock Deej. Gotta get the D, man. Yeah. What would your car be, Deej? All gun. <laughs> just a pistol. <laughs> I just circumvent wheels entirely. I move around on foot like in the Flintstones. That reminds me. Oh my god, I'm Nathan. This is very off topic. Very off topic. But I remember in in our high school science, we're doing like motion and stuff like that, and we had to come up with like a different means of like locomotion. Like, do you remember this, Nathan? I think so. Come and, on, come and, on. And the car that I can't remember who was in my group, but the car that we designed uh, that instead of wheels that had arms that was just like and the teacher was like how would that work and we're just like well we're just like crawl you about and then you know, but like in terms of physics how would that work so like, I just climb up walls and stuff that's uh, so sick dude yeah. so um, how did you do on that assessment well it's no surprise that I didn't do science in my HSC so <laughs> pretty sure it goes I- my hero yeah. <laughs> yeah watch him as he crawls hey! yeah the, the hero is the arm car yeah oh. Oh, that's fuck. who it's actually about, yeah, yeah. I'm coming. I'm coming. Hopefully, someone makes it. Yeah. Yes. Well, we know that uh, Elon Musk is a big follower of the show. Yeah. yeah. He loves weird cars. <laughs> the arm car, which I made as an act of kindness. <laughs> oh, hell yeah, Elon dude. Musk should be in Twisted Metal as well, oh, probably. He's a pretty twisted dude. <laughs> okay, now that would be epic. Oh. <laughs> At number 73. It's Stardust. This is Music Sounds Better With You. 
number 73 in the 1998 Hottest 100. That is music sounds better with you. Nathan, we've pulled another massive obscurity from the 90s mm. out of our ass here. Well, look, you joke, but until this week, I did not know that one half of Daft Punk was in this. Really? So, I didn't know that too. You said that just then. Are you lying to me? Surprise. Really? Are you serious? No, I'm not lying. Oh, wow. You know this massively Daft Punk sounding song? No, I knew. Obviously, it's French house, but I presume yeah. there's more than one Daft Punk sounding band in France. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is Thomas Turns Bangalter. out no. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was like that meme that was going around early right. this year. Where are you from? New Zealand. Oh, you you wouldn't happen to know my mate from there, would you? We don't all know each other. You know, it's a pretty big country. Do you know Tom Johnson? <sighs> yes, yeah. he just yeah. went to my high school, played in my best friend's band. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh, where are you from? France. Oh, you might know some friends of mine. Oh, it's a big country. We don't all know each other. Do you know the guy from Daft Punk? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we made a song together. <laughs> So Thomas Bangalter um, and Alan Brax were just doing like a club night Brax. together, right? Um, and just DJing or whatever. And then they kind of threw this together and got their friend Benjamin Diamond to just add lib some stuff Benjamin over Diamond. the top. Hello. Can you imagine just randomly DJing and this is what and happens? And this is just That's like, oh yeah. Game. And then they're like, oh, this is. I guess this is really good. So <laughs> let's do it. I suppose this is the only song Stardust. Ever um, made is up. this the oh right this is like right. we've, we've just covered the, the entire and Stardust the discography disco, yeah. oh, however man. Thomas Bergolta has said in interviews that he there are probably four or five other Stardust songs floating around in the vaults whoa these have been called for to be released <laughs> By Stardust fans, many times they are a thirsty mob. They oh, want I wanted more it Stardust. to be this has been called for to be released by the French president. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Macron comes back with the World Cup and he's like, "Look what we do if we come together. You can fucking do this stuff, bro." Yeah. Stardust is coming home. It's coming yeah. home. <laughs> the, the next G8 summer. Everyone's sure waiting up, up until two AM to watch the new Stardust <laughs> video. <laughs> I do that. Because that's the thing as well. Uh, Michelle Gondry directed the video for this. Yeah, yeah. Um, the beautiful clip of the. the... We don't all know each other. (laughs) (laughs) I guess the guys from Phoenix were in the background as well. (laughs) They were all the the small boy. Yeah, no, the small boy was Gerard Depardieu, (laughs) (laughs) and the mum was Albert Camus. (laughs) (laughs) These are the French people we know. (laughs) And the dad was Amelie. So yeah, so this is the only single they put out. Another one of those songs, it's it's weird to come to now because it's, this is just so pervasive yeah. as mm. a piece of music. But I think there's something really beautiful about it and probably part of why it worked so well. It's just so stripped back. It's kind of emblematic of French House. Yeah. But Not just so the much. way that it sort of removes a lot of the... There's still like a bit of kitsch in there. Mm. But so much of that saccharine disco is just removed and you just really get to like a very fundamental dance song. I yeah. think the loop does that. Totally. Yeah. There's a limit to how much of anything it can really be when you realise how produced it is. And the loop just, it's such a clear cut. It's not trying to disguise the fact that it's a loop at all. Mm. It, it, it's trading in that. And that's part of the reason why it kind of manages to skirt around it being anything apart from just what it is, yeah. which is archetypal dance music but i think that like the addition like that high-pitched guitar riff grounds it in disco really well like like disco became quite naff in Mm. the cultural landscape like perhaps unfairly so but like the french house does a bit of disco stuff really well um and like that guitar in there makes it sound more like a disco band rather than just djs and i really Mm. like that about it that's something you can kind of trace through all of daft punk's work as well like obviously random access memories is like the, the full realisation of that, that it's warm music, it's not cold music. Yeah. That's here as well, which is really nice. Yeah. But it's the it, thing, like, especially knowing the story of it kind of happening organically one night when they were just DJing together. Yeah. I, I feel like I can imagine the pieces, and there aren't that many pieces, just sort of falling in place and being like, oh, shit, yeah, like the room just kind of clicks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When yeah. All these- it's, all, it's all about taking things in and taking them out, you know, yeah. like... You know, when the when that drops out for that final uh, chorus, like, and, you know, it kind of, like, reverts back to, like, that really inward, super, super low bit. And then everything comes back at the same time. You literally just envision it. And, like, for me, this song is inextricable. Again, big surprise, but this song is inextricably linked with its music video for me. Like, I think that is one of the absolute best pop videos of the entire decade, probably of the last... 30 years or so, like, just the simple majesty and beauty of that video. 
This could have easily just been a generic people dancing in a club video, but the fact they went all out on this really beautiful, low-key but high-concept kind of thing really reflects on the magnitude of the song for me. The thing I think is the value of this song is just like how few possibilities exist to really interact with it. It's minimalism, really. It's moving parts. It doesn't have many. Repetition is what it trades in or whatever. It's just like one thing, one idea four minutes and one reaction which is just like dance or don't engage at all yeah I can, you, know, yeah. you, 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 you can groove see, or you go you can see the strands on the on the on the, the track like okay the beat is here on this one the guitar riff is on this track the vocal loop is on this track and like they're so separate and there wouldn't be very many of them it's just like this and exists like, these as ones drop out for this yeah, section yeah. and then they come back here. like yeah. you, you can visualize the structure very, of the very song easily, yeah apparently. and i'm not an electronic music expert by any means but we've covered quite a lot of different electronic bands through the course of doing this podcast and whatever could we say that in a way experts on electronic music (laughs) I think we could I think so Adam yes that's a fair call let's just go ahead and do that then that's an expert in electronic music could you say that like this song really is the end of electronic music being an underground thing it's so poppy and it's so accessible right and like like it blew up right and it it did blow up like like defunct Sure, it had a similar sound, but it was instrumental. Therefore, the the you need it's that, a little bit less accessible. I mean, the Prodigy it was still very poppy, but it had a menace that meant mm-hmm. it wasn't quite settled in the mainstream. The Chemical Brothers were just like way too bombastic and way too high energy for it to be for everyone. But this is kind of for everyone. Like this, you could point to if you were so inclined to saying like this is when electronic became. Pop music, certainly at least for the songs we've discussed. Yeah, yeah. there might be some. Yeah, there maybe. Might be some that we're just not not remembering because they were too poppy even for the J audience. Mm. Yeah, maybe. But like in terms of crossover from underground to mainstream pop electronic music, this is certainly the most that we've spoken yeah. about. I would because it's definitely electronic. It's definitely like produced. Yeah. Like yeah. French House yeah. is. It's very much that. We talk about the, the loop and the sample and whatever, but it's still very much pop. Yeah, I think there's there's probably been a lot written about it by by other experts in electronic music. Just in terms of, like, you know, a lot of the music happening in the UK or the big beat stuff, it's so, mm. like, excess. Yeah. Whereas this and Defunk and, and, like, so much other French house is so stripped back and it's more about the essence. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think you've just got, like, the bare minimum yeah. and then you throw in that vocal hook over the top and you're like, oh, well, this just works as a pop song now. Do you know Thomas Begalta got offered three million dollars for a full Stardust album by the president? By yeah. the, pre- the yeah. president himself. I hate it when bands don't like it. Oh, it's just like just do it and donate the money to he something. He was whisked away on a boat like, ride down the French Riviera. Yeah. Someone was playing accordion. Just, it was great. Also, just keep the money. Like, yeah. like it's okay to be a millionaire if you're a musician. Totally. They all fucking are. But it's just like yeah. I don't know because like the big one is ABBA. They were offered like a billion dollars mm. to to do another gig and then they didn't. And now by they the are. EU, the full yeah, e, the full the EU, EU exactly. got together. That's that's the start of the Euro Eurozone crisis. Because yeah. <laughs> all the all the countries bankrupted themselves. It was a bad decision. But it's just but like they could make so much change in the world. That's it, yeah. right? Like I don't, yeah. I don't care if you have a problem with this person that you worked with for a while and you don't want to be around anymore. Suck it up. Do a few days rehearsal. Do one gig. You have a billion dollars that you can like give to Africa. Yeah. Fuck. Like or me. Yeah. Like or you me. Could, you could subscribe to our Patreon <laughs> at the absolute premium level <laughs> for a billion dollars. A billion dollars. You That's can... the top tier. I also just want to quickly point out that Thomas Bengalta has a net worth of $70 million. Yeah, there you go. We would stop it's for a billion. a billion dollars. Yeah, yeah, that's, anything less that's than my that. price. Yeah. <laughs> we, we can be bought. That's, that's yeah, we can be bought. Yeah. Yeah. I'd still probably do it, though. I wonder whether the real reason that he didn't was because he had bigger plans for Daft Punk and, he, and perhaps he thought that by doing more Stardust stuff would take away from mm. his... Maybe. Mm, yeah. Or... He has a secret Stardust chamber that only he can go into and listen to the other Stardust songs, and he's like attained some level of, you know, self actualization that we can only dream of. He loves music so much that he just does it for the sheer pleasure of creating music that only he ever hears. That's the true expanded brain of liking music. <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty pure. Yeah. <laughs> At number seventy-two, it's Friends All Wrong with Mister. Charisma. When he walks into the room and sits up and wins, everybody murmurs his ear. He's the most important guy, never stops to wonder why. He's always got so much to say. And he's so cool, he makes a rule. 
Number 72, Andrew. Speak your mind. Ah, oh, you could have been really saying I missed it, whatever. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you, haven't, you haven't earned that title. No, it's true. This is from the Meet the Family Friends of Rom record, which for a long time I consider my favourite Friends of Rom record. If you haven't heard the other episodes where we've spoken about Friends of Rom, uh, just cards on the table. Nathan and I, they were like the Beatles to us in high school. We were very obsessed with them. And even now, still one of my all-time favourite bands, know them very very intimately their music has been with me for most of my life now and I love them very dearly so of course I love Mr. Charisma very dearly because it is one of the finest punk rock singles of the 90s from certainly from Australia probably all over but I'm very biased I can't look at this objectively <laughs> I just think from like the opening like that funkier shit bass line from Lex like it is just on it's on right away Jay's nasal as hell pop punk delivery of his vocals it's just 90s pop punk done to perfection to me this is just incredibly fun the lyrics are very clever and witty just about like some guy who is impossibly charismatic at least in his own eyes I guess yeah, yeah. yeah. so you don't want to be called Mr. Charisma yeah, because true. It's, yeah. you know. he's a cunt yeah. yeah yeah I think this is just like equally fun to just have on speakers at home where you're just like smiling about how good it is or equally great just like, to, like seeing them live and getting your body bruised in like a really fun environment this is just fantastic punk music obviously the bias is very much present because the <laughs> Uh, Nathan and I and also we've kept this quiet but uh friend of the show and top tier Patreon subscriber Jack Riley is in the room with us right now and he is also a Friends of Rom tragic uh, so it's very great to have this love in here and also this says you can join him in the studio and sit quietly for two hours while we record an episode if you donate to our Patreon at the top level only top <laughs> level anything less than the top amount no wait is that is that bill, it's billion dollars yeah it must be um, <laughs> <laughs> But yes, this so billion song is billion is the top because that then we, then we quit. quit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. second highest is, to is sitting yeah. in the yeah. room with us. Yeah, a mill, a, a, cool a million, a million, like a million dollars, ten dollars. <laughs> I'm sure we're agreeing here for the sake of my heart <laughs> that this is a wonderful piece of punk music, right? Hello, uh, Adam Bunchy here, first time listener uh, and caller. Yeah. <laughs> First time to the time. to the friends of Rom fan line. Yeah. Um, thanks for taking my call. This song is awesome. Yes. Um, I was surprised by just how awesome that it actually was, and through further listens, the awesomeness only kind of increased. Holy shit! The musicianship in this absolutely slaps. Yeah. Like the rhythm section Quite are putting literally. in serious goddamn work the whole time. Those harmonies are impossibly gorgeous, and the whole thing just like the, the my favorite thing about the whole thing is the speed. But then they they only speed up to make you wait. That little like he's a cool, yeah. and this like that drop. It's just like you're having fun. You're having fun from yeah. the very beginning all the way through. And uh, yeah, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, um, great. Thanks, thanks, Adam. You, 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 you are so spot happy. on. Yeah, I, I yeah, like yeah, the yeah. Where you said the song was great and fun. That's yeah. uh, very, very, very cogent. Yeah, I just like the chorus as well. It's almost like an announcement. Like it's almost like them kind of being like showmen. It's like oh, when he walks he into the room. Yeah, yeah. it's just like yeah. they're just doing these arms that you can't. Yeah, but you know these arms. Yeah. These arms. These ones. Yeah. The other thing I really like is that the ambiguity in terms of like what this guy is actually like. Like. Is he actually charismatic? Yeah. Or is it just like Friends of Rom are so pissed off and like countercultural that they can't fathom someone being yeah. popular? Petty. Yeah. Just really petty. Yeah, yeah. It, it kind of can be that. And I think either way, it's charming. Yeah, I, 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 when you said the musicianship, was the one bit I always love. And Friends of Rom do this very well, particularly even better than this when Gordy joins the band. But they all, they have really excellent fills on the drumming. In, in the chorus, they're like, he's the man for us. And there's a really quick snare fill. And it's just so fucking tight. They're just like, yeah. they do these little punk fills so fast. Fucking well, yeah, totally. They, yeah, there's always so much detail. There's yes. so much going on yes. they, they, in Friends of Rom songs that they just they really stand above the pack in that way. I yeah, think. they never 
like are content with just a simple drumming beat. There's always like mm. these fancy little fills. Yeah, and the, the same goes with with the guitar and the bass yeah. as well. Like you know, yeah. I mean, oh man, that's just so good. I just I feel like I'm at the point in my life where my love for Frenzel is such a given. Yeah, yeah. The, the only like pure joy I can get is either listening to them again, mm. which is very easy to do. Yeah. Or, but but like hearing someone like, to them for the first time. Yeah, that like right. I just oh, do you feel parently? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I don't know who I'm prouder of. Adam or Frenzel, but I guess both. Oh, both. I love all my you children. You did it, sport. Yeah. I'm 42. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's like I love, I love the the rhythms, particularly in the verses. Like it just like so constant and moving and just different. Like it sounds different to other punk songs at the time. How can it be so catchy at the same time as being so fast? That's a hook, and it's, it's so great. fast. You can't normally have hooks that fast. They can. I listen to grindcore. Yeah. <laughs> no, no hooks in there. And it's just like, it, you know, made Frenzel Rom are so <laughs> wonderfully an Australian band. And I think that kind of maybe pettiness, maybe just like talking about this guy that's just probably just at a thing at the same time as them and more people talking to yeah. Mr. Charisma than Frenzel Rom. Yeah. And oh, they oh, were yeah. like, well, fuck this. Tall Poppy Syndrome. Yeah, like, we, we got that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the wait, video- wait, wait. Tall Poppy Syndrome in Australian music? <laughs> in my Australian music? <laughs> there, um, the, the video for that speaks to that as well, where it's like they get like, they, they go, like it's very, very 90s. It's very 90s. Um, But they do walk past the hub in Newtown. I'm like, ah, oh, it's near my... Yeah. Hey. But, um, they, um get like charisma fired they turn from just look, looking like friends of Rom to looking like guys in like suits or like yeah, night, or like, right. hey, hey, 80s hair metal guys or, or craft work looking guys yeah it's very funny <laughs> so they're taking the piss yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, but I think like, that doesn't sound same. like my friends <laughs> but I think hashtag not my friends <laughs> but I think like in some ways they're also like taking the piss of people who would who would embody tall poppy syndrome as well at the, yeah, same, at the same time like everyone's kind of Everyone's a target, baby. Yeah, everyone's a target. Yeah. Everyone's knocked down, and yeah. we're all at the same kind of level. And it's, like, it's that again, very Australian thing of you know criticizing something else, something else, but being very self-deprecating in your criticism. Def- yeah, or something else. Yeah, exactly. You it's, know, like you're like, crap, but I'm also crap. Yeah, but the thing is that like judging people on in terms of social hierarchies at all is crap. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah totally. Yeah. So, the idea of charisma is crap. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Talking to to people, going outside. Oh my god! What's just, crap? Never oh, do it. Just say, people, yeah. what a bunch of bastards! This comes out about a year before I discover Friends of Rom, which is circa "You Are Not My Friend." I didn't really know this song until quite a bit later on in the piece, like about about the time I started going to see Friends all live. I kind of knew the name, and yeah, I knew it was like a big, like, not not a hit, like, they don't really have hits, so to speak, but uh, I remember one of my first intros to it was uh, a night they played, uh, they did this show in Wollongong, uh, this would have been about seven, eight years ago, and they'd run through the service, it's like, oh, what should we play? You know, they'd come back on stage and stuff like that, and, you know, some dude, obviously, you know, was like, Mr. Charisma, and fucking... Was that you, Jack? <laughs> it wasn't. It, was, it, it wasn't. Jack. It was Jack. No, he, he said it was. Jack's Jack. claiming it. Jack is. Jack is nodding. Yeah. Uh, Jay was just like, oh, no, I don't want. to You know, he's been singing that song for twenty fucking years. He doesn't want to sing it. He's just like, oh no, I don't really feel like it, man. Really. And then Tom goes, yeah, I'll do it. Uh, Tom is uh, the bass player, the most recent addition to the band, serving a measly fifteen years in the band now. <laughs> Trump <laughs> is working out well. He's the Brian Johnson of the band. Um, and. He was just like, dude, if you really want to sing it, um, Jay just kind of wanders off. And so then Lindsay, Gordy, and Tom do Mr. Charisma, and Tom just sings it. It's too <laughs> good. So Tom's singing it and also doing that. And Jay's just watching it just because he thinks the whole thing's fucking hilarious. <laughs> having a beer side stage. Yeah, yeah. Friends will always do the best on cause, like constantly, you know, like just changing up who's playing what. Jay is very rarely there. You know, playing weird non-Frenzel songs, doing, like, you know, minute-long bits, and then that's it. Encores suck because, like, it's yeah. not an encore. Like, play the set. Play the set. Fuck set. encores. So they're very good. And, you know, like, we talked about Frenzel when we talked about Punch in the Face, but they're just... Yes. I, I just, like, the last tour that they did, they played Geelong, Ballarat, Narrabeen, Ipswich. Like, they just, mm. they're just the best band. Yeah. Like, constant mm. regional Mr. touring. Mate, saw them in Ulladulla. Sick. Right? Like, beautiful. Like, mm. so so few bands at their level still do that. Yeah, totally. And it's so important. Like, I mean, you know, we, we grew up in Wollongong, Nara or whatever, which is, you know, still close enough to the city, I guess. But mm. 
it's just like it's so good to have bands doing stuff like that. Mm. I don't know. Friends of Roma, like they've never been like canonized. I think in Australian music, and I think that's good. I think that's part of why they're an important band mm. because even now, like twenty five years in, they're still pushing ahead. It doesn't feel like they're doing victory laps or running on empty or anything like that. No, I think yeah. I think the way that they've somehow evaded or resisted becoming a big Australian like a band. Yeah, you am I. Yeah, you yeah. like Pat, well, obviously Powderfinger are, are huge, yeah. but like because like I, I it's unfathomable to me to imagine Friends I'm doing a 20 years of Meet the Family tour. Like yeah. it would never happen. Like there. Yeah, like is, they put out a best of last year, but again, yeah. that's still like 25 years in. Yeah. Huge. What a band. What a bloody what band. A perfect band. Yibbity yibbity. At number 71, it's Happy Land. This is Hello. Hottest 100, that is a song called Hello. You can find it on their first and only studio album, Welcome to Happy Land. Uh, similar to the aforementioned Stardust, this was an offshoot project in the late 90s for two artists of uh, well renown. Uh, in this case, Mr. Quan Yeamans uh, from Regurgitator and Janet English, uh, the bass player from Spiderbait. They had one very, very big hit single, which was uh, charting quite well, uh, which we will talk about at a later date. Uh, this was the second uh, less successful single from that record. I have a very long and colourful history with this record. This was within the first, definitely top first five albums I ever bought. Right. Yes. Uh, ah. I, I was obsessed with... Spider-Bait and Regurgitator because, you know, they were massive. And then when I found out they'd made a record together, I'm like, oh, that's so sick, dude. That's totes radical or whatever I was saying in the late 90s. <laughs> tubular. Um, it was mad tubular. It so may have been I got bodacious. myself the record and fucking no one knows this record, man. Everyone knows Don't You Know Who I Am, obviously, but like no one knows this record and I will sing its fucking praises until the goddamn cows come home. I just think it's such a wonderfully weird and interesting and really fun record where they go through all this sort of stuff, you know, like they do like a really cool big beat sort of song. There's like a really weird ambient sort of song. There's like big, like power pop kind of songs, uh, everything in between. Really, really fun, really, really interesting record that comes from two, in, in my opinion, two of the like great creative minds of Australian alternative rock of that era. So Quan takes the lead vocals on this track, and no shit, it sounds like a regurgitator song. <laughs> yeah. uh, it also sounds like Power on the Passion, as we just uh, quickly found out. I can definitely see why it was picked as a single. It's super accessible, it's super catchy, uh, it's got that really uh, great outro guitar riff where it just has that full jangle like garage sound so like, yeah, knows how to get a good sound out of his guitar oh man yeah he, he for really sure does. and then yeah it's got that big bouncy kind of energy to it it's like total like home bake mosh ready kind of track mm. it's not the best song on the record but it's definitely one of the the catchiest and easiest and, and most fun songs on the record by a considerable margin I'm assuming that none of you have A, heard the record, or B, heard this song before. I'd heard the song, haven't heard the record. Right, there Same. you go. Nope, zero from two. You know the you know the big hit, though? No, I don't. Don't worry, you'll be hearing it very soon. That's why um, I love this show. <laughs> it's um, a great show, It's a great show. It's pretty show. good. It's so good. Love it. Jack, is it a good show? 
Well, I gave it a five star review. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. the man. A lot of chatter about five stars and, around and the room. Look, and, and look where he is now. He's in the studio with us. Listeners, this this could be you. Yeah, yeah. It starts with five stars, ends yeah. in the room. Yeah, there's five stars in this room right now. Oh, Boom. guys, the big five. <laughs> um, but this is a great, like, this song is very easy, spot on DJ. It sounds exactly like one guy from Regurgitator and someone from Spider-Bait made a song together. It sounds Quick like, maths. yeah. Quick maths. The math does check out, though. It like, does, it really does. Um, super cute, though, we're in a couple as well. Yeah, yeah. Super cute. And they originally wanted to call the band The Shits, so great relationship. Yeah. That would have been um, sick. But, like, this song doesn't, like aim for the heavens and it doesn't need to it's just like this would be fun to jam out and then it was and that's it <laughs> there's like very little to it it's just f- fucking fun yeah yeah, yeah. They, they played in animal costumes when they it's played good. live yeah it's true yeah, yeah. In you can see costumes. it on recovery yeah mm. Right, uh, yeah. So, uh, like, Regurgitator and Spiderbait confirmed furries then. Yeah. <laughs> wow. wow. Yeah. Look, long yep. held rumors confirmed at, con- well, as they confirmed at last, confirmed 20 years ago <laughs> on recovery. <laughs> mm. It's just so fun and wholesome. But I think there's something about that and the fact that it's a collaboration between, you know, people from Regurgitator and Spiderbait. It just feels like it's this beautiful snapshot of all the good things that Australian music could be in 1998. Mm. This wonderful time where Regurgitator, Spider-Bait are kicking around, you know, Jebediah and something for Cater covering each other's songs and just being like, mm. like label yeah. mates and having the best time. And it's just, it's just so positive. And when I listen to Happy Land, like the two songs I've heard of Happy Land, it just makes me think of everything that could have been good in this moment. Like, obviously, I'm sure there were plenty of bands doing it tough in 1998. And, be like, <laughs> and, and also, like, and like the music industry, the business is poison in that. But, like, you're right. It, it exemplifies that that naivety that you have as a, as a young teenager where you think that your favourite bands are friends. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. they're in relationships. They and sometimes they make really great singles. Yeah, right? Yeah. And, and the, but the music and itself feels like that naivety. Yeah, like, yeah. It, this sounds like how you feel when you learn that your faves are friends. Mm. Like, it's just good. But the song is really pissed off. Like, it's a really mad song. It's Quan. Yeah, it's very cynical. It's Quan classically hiding razor blades in cake, mm. like, as he wants to do with his songwriting, which is yeah. why I love him. Like, because this is a song about just, like, getting fucked off entirely with small talk and meaningless interactions that you have with people, which accounts for, like, 90% of interactions that you have in your life or whatever. It's either being mad at the world or it's being mad at yourself for not being able to just play the game properly and not being able to, to like, fit in and connect or do, whatever. Do you One get, of those like, tensions. Obviously, like, everyone hates small talk, but then do you also get the thing when someone doesn't engage in any small talk with you and you're like, all right, fucking, you know, like, you can ask yeah, me how you my can't, weekend was. Yeah, you can't like, win. Yeah, yeah. I, had, I, I had a rough one yesterday. I was in the supermarket and I bumped into somebody who used to live in my building and I knew they'd moved out and... Like I'm, like, I'm like, oh, you, you moved out where you're living now, blah, blah, blah. I was doing that kind of awkward small talk. I don't even know their name. And then they just was like, yeah, some big changes have been happening in my life. I left, um, well, I was working at TAFE for 23 years. I got this massive fucking spiel. I was like, I'm, just like, I'm here to buy mushrooms, man. Like, <laughs> shiitake? No, just button. I was just making a stir fry. Nice. Yeah. Did you tell Shameful. them about it? I repeatedly just kept, kept turning away. Like, just like, well, I was going to pick up, you know, and then just like, yeah, and then what happened? What's up? Oh, God damn it, man. This is, this is big talk. I'm even the small talk. How mm. close were you to just like peg and button mushrooms at them? I would never do that to the mushrooms. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fungi fan. You respect the, the fungus. I've been, I'm a big mushroom guy. Fungus is a weird, hey? Yeah, like are they... What are they? Are they vegetables? I'm with you, are, they, man. Are, they, are, they, are they animals? Yeah, you're a yeah, fun guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So fascinating. It really is. Back to mushroom talk. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite the, the podcast. Bonus episode. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned the drumming in this stage because like they do so much work and they're so loud that they make you forget how little the other s- instruments in this song are playing. Like in the, there's a lot of silence that would normally mm. be silence if it's just but someone just behind the kids is going wailing. Wailing on the kid, yeah. Wailing on it. The funness is the main thing, right? It's just like, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's awesome. I actually, I'm going to listen to the album. Yeah, me too. Yeah. All right. <laughs> that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Hottest 100s and Thousands. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks to FBI Radio for having us. Before we get out of here, it's time to pick our favourites and Nelly's favourites from this episode and continue. The ever-continuing story of champs and chumps. This is a very tough one because I like all four of these songs quite a bit. Five. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, ooh, it's like four great and one terrible song. God damn it. There's there's no stinker though, right? Yeah. No, there there isn't. Yeah. Fifth 
favourite would probably have to be Dragula. You got some memories attached to that. Yeah. Negative uh, memories of tardiness. Uh, but uh, yeah, obviously the chump remains a brand van, the man. Uh, my favourite. Ooh. I reckon it's got to be Music Sounds Better Than You, man. Really? Like, nice. Yeah, huh. I'm, I'm going to go with that. New champ. Uh, yeah, fuck it. Ah, uh, yeah, my my, <laughs> my very cute. Oh, my my, my favourite and new champ is Mr. Charisma. Very, very easy. Uh, my least, my fifth favourite. Again, these are five good songs. But I'm I'm actually going to say my least favourite is Music Sounds Better with You, simply because I'm not much of a French house music guy, but it's still a very well made song. Yeah, yeah. But, but the, 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 the chump unequivocally remains drinking in LA. You will get a call from. The French president. Yeah. Good. I want to talk to him. Whatever his name to is. Say? Yeah, it was a beef man. Like his his centrist ideas helped push the left outside of the mainstream popular discourse in France. He's fucking shit up. This is this is and where's Stardust? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, great. Um, Nathan, what are your favourites? Um, new champ is Mr. Charisma. Yeah, buddy. I mean, I can't like, I can't not, right? Yeah. Rob Zombie's fifth favourite, but yeah, I still liked it. Like, a good five. Mm. Especially at this point in the countdown, I'm going to savour the rare, mm. rareness of a good five. At this point, yeah. At this point, yeah. 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 Mm. Uh, but the chump definitely remains drinking in LA. I think mm. the 70s is the magic zone of the countdowns, though. I mean, if you look at it, I kind of agree. Like, yeah, I think it's always a, a good spot, right? Always where I have the most fun on uh, contemporary countdown days. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I'm guessing that um, Brand Van 3000 isn't moving for either of y'all. Oh, no. No. Yeah, no. Good. Neither- we shall not be moved. <laughs> Neither for me. Um, we probably need to come up with like a hashtag for it in the same way yeah, that we had Close, close the Loop. loop. Ban Brand Van. <laughs> ban the van. Hey, I'm just throwing it yeah. out there. Yeah. We don't have to make a decision on it mm. now. Um, we'll, we'll brainstorm later. Something to do with sobriety, like you know, drinking in <laughs> yeah, LA, yeah, yeah, get yeah, sober. Yeah. Yeah. That might haunt me when I listen back to the episodes and I keep hearing, hearing me tell myself to get sober. <laughs> I don't think I need that in my life. <laughs> what was your favourite, Adam? <laughs> Fucking hell. You. <laughs> my yeah, man. true. Um, my favourite was My Hero. Um, which is a song that Dave Grohl has got on record saying is about Andrew McDonald. Is it a champ? It is a champ. Yeah, it is. New champs all around. Yeah. And um, hey, Jack, come over here. Come on, come on, come on. Use my mic. G'day. Um, I think it's an. Can I have an equal first? No, no. no. We've all wanted to. Well, I kind of don't want to do it. Then. Have you been listening to the, like, you Jesus know, Christ. like, I'm listening to the rules, man. Um, I mean, like, I figured because I was the guest, I could do pretty no, much whatever no, I want. No, man. Um, no you special can do less treatment than ever. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, Mr. Charisma is probably my favourite just by virtue of the fact that Friends Will Romp are my favourite band. Not including... The- no, no, okay. No, honourable mention to Mr. Charisma because they're my favourite band. Music what? Sounds Better With You is my fave. Yeah, my right. Favorite. Nice. Don't tell Lindsay I said that. Right. Uh, and least fave? He's listening. Uh, Dragula. It's stupid. It's <laughs> okay, right. really- Everyone's like, oh, this is so fun. It's like, have you heard Head Like a Hole? Like, just listen to that <laughs> instead. It is um, very similar to that, I yes. Know. I feel like I've lost everyone's trust in the room no, no, now. No, it's um, fine. It does sound like a poor man's head like a hole. I mean, <laughs> but also that was the same, head like a hole. That sounded like that other Rob Zombie song. Uh, the black and the sun, look what I done. Feel so good, feel so numb. Right. I, I would I would talk too much about <laughs> it. Yeah, I, think, I think I just... The yeah. Rob Zombie expert has yeah, logged yeah, on. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know them. And yeah, I do like Friends Warum. Can I just say that yes, for the record? Yes. That they're a good band. Thanks, bye. Thank you, Guy. Uh, Jack, everyone. Oh, mate. Pursuing balance is also a good thing. <laughs> 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 Come on. Come on. Oh, the same reasons. You might just do it. Boo. 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 My name is David James Young. Everything except Jack Riley is good for you. Oh. <laughs> He's wanted to be dragged on this podcast for. Dragula! The real Dragula was the method in which we lost friends along the way. Oh. <laughs>